is a box, a musical box, wound up and ready to play. Can you guess what is in it today? Someone, you know, from your playing staff comes in and says, "Boss, I think you've got. I think you're doing this wrongly." Good. Well, I ask him which way he thinks it should be done. We get down to it, and then we talk about it for 20 minutes, and then we decide I was right. to listeners everywhere you are very welcome to box 39 this is the treasure chest of magazine music and the funny side of life which is rooted in our community here on 106.6 fm colne radio broadcasting live from studio one high up on the fourth floor of colne radio towers i'm bill lawrence and i'm joined on my left by Mr. Ian Talentar in the studio. Hello, Good Ian. Good evening, Bill. Good and evening, I'm, everybody. And I'm pleased to say you are wearing one of your special sporting hairpieces tonight, aren't you? It's the red, white and blue number tonight, folks. It's the Bobby Charlton, isn't it? It is. And it's excellent. A great player. It's almost like having Bobby in the room, I have to say. Well, wonderful. And we're also joined by Adrian Cohen, who's down there on the third floor in the Colne Radio Music Library. And opposite me... Not wearing a hairpiece tonight is our very special guest. It's Mr. Bryn Griffiths. It's great to be back out of my semi-retirement for a Box 39 football special. And occasions don't come much more special than the one we'll be talking about tonight. Indeed, you're right, Bryn, because our show tonight celebrates our local team, Colchester United, and their League Cup quarterfinal match against Premier League football giants Manchester United, which takes place in just a few days after recording of this show, uh, recording our programme, and it's at Old Trafford in Manchester. Yeah, and during the course of the show, we'll be finding out more about what we can expect from that match. And Box 39 will be speaking exclusively to Colchester United star striker and ex-Premier League player, Frank Nouvelet, and the youth's fast-rising attacking midfielder, <laughs> get my words out tonight, folks, midfielder, Courtney Senior, to find out their views on the big match itself, racism in football, and what it's like to play football in China. Have Colchester United been on tour in China then? I think they have. Ah. Yeah. So p- come on, everyone. Put on your favourite replica team shirt. Get that dried mud off the old football boots from last week's game and get ready for the referee to blow his whistle because we're going to open Box 39 once more. And this is our Manchester United versus Colchester United special. My name is Frank Nublé and you're listening to Box 39 on Clone. Clone. Radio, Radio 106.6 FM. Where it began, I can begin to know it, but then I know it's going strong. Was in the spring, and 
spring became a summer. Who'd have believed you'd come along? Hands, touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you. He's had a terrific game. Can he put Colchester into the next round of the cup? He can! What a night! Manchester United, they have beaten Premier League Tottenham Hotspur in a penalty shootout to advance through to round four of the Carabao Cup. Palace beaten on penalties in the last round and John McGrill's Colchester have now dispatched Tottenham Hotspur in similar fashion. What's in it then? Again, once more, this is the Box 39 football special, and you're listening to our house band Ausgang Exit with Untidy Corner Flag Blues. understand that that song was inspired by uh, uh, the boys and girls from Askang Exit who recently went to watch Wyvern Hotel play football and more about Wyvern Hotel later. So welcome to the blue and white army of Colchester United and fans around the world who love that corporate brand that is Manchester United, a club that used to be a community-based football club in the north of England. So we'd like to say welcome to uh, Amin or Amine from Morocco. Welcome very much, and welcome Ethel from South Africa. I'd like to welcome Elton from Zimbabwe, Yun from China, Tilak from Delhi, and Ron and Reg from Brightlingsea. Um, can I just ask a question, fellas? Uh, have you made those names up, or are they real people? No, Ian, these are as real as you and I. and they're I'm all... not sure about those characters from Brightlingsea, though. Oh no no they are they are uh, they're, they're, they're Ron and Reg are uh, are a couple of uh, twins aren't they twins yeah now they're as real as you and I Ian uh, Bryn they are they're all secretaries of their country's Manchester United supporters club uh, it's coming into context so. Let's have a, let's a think about Manchester United. Now, many of you will know that uh, one end of Manchester United is known as the Stretford End. And if you were there yeah, 40, 50, 60 or 70 years ago, you might have seen a young Brit. Yeah. Imagine the scene. It was the 29th of May 
1968, the day of the European Cup final when Manchester United first were the champions of Europe. And I was at Lydgate Primary School. And the, a boy that was going to be my friend, Peter Wood, also known as Spuddy, approached me in the playground and said, who are you supporting tonight? I decided it would be a good idea to become a Manchester United fan at that very point. Anyway, I sat down that evening in my first few hours as a Manchester United fan and I watched a game which in ex after extra time with a Bobby Charlton goal, it was one all. And then Stepney made such a good save against Eusebio that even Eusebio stopped and applauded the great Bobby Charlton. In extra time, best, kid, and then Bobby made it 4-1. And I became a rock-solid Manchester United fan and remained like that until 2003. What a tale, Bryn, what a tale. I was there, it was touching, a tear to my eye. And I love the way in the old days they just stop and shake hands with each other. So... Is, is this why a match with Manchester United, Bryn, is so special to you? I mean, because of your past, your youth. Yeah, I, um, I've, the first time I went to Manchester United, I was on the paddock, which was just to the side of the Great Stretford End. And it wasn't the sort of prawn-munching, seated area that it is now. It was packed. And the difference between football now, when you sit in the South Stand, it has to be said that I don't feel out of place as a 50-odd-year-old. But in the Stretford End, the average age used to be about 17. You had to arrive half an hour before the match, and as you were pushed by the police into the crowd to get us all in, you were in a seething mass of fans. It looked like a fashion show. There was people in Dr. Martins with more holes than you can imagine. There was people with denims at half-mast. They had tartan scarves on one hand, silk scarves on the other beanies on top of the head, a woolen scarf round the neck. And the chanting started at about half past two. It was the most extraordinary experience. As a young lad, I just thought, I love this game. I want to be on the Stretford end. And I looked at it from the paddock. And when I got to about 14 or 15, my mum said, you can go. And off I went with Spuddy, the lad I mentioned from Lydgate Primary School, to become a Stretford ender. And that was how I became to love the beautiful game. I would uh, suggest, Bryn, that the age profile of fans has changed, really, just because of the expense of football. Really, it, how much did it cost you to go to a football match? Oh, I remember it used to be quite a complicated business because when I was um, a young teenager, I had to remember to be very young to get the cheap bus fare on the way in. And then my age was elevated to an 18-year-old to get the pre-match pint. And then I was down to 17. And I'm just trying to remember... I think it might have only been about three quid or something. Yeah. Well, now, uh, how much did it cost you to get into the South Stand, Bryn? Well, because we buy bulk in the Colchester United's um, system, uh, where if you buy 50 tickets, you get them cheap for the Colu Lexton Ultras, we pay about 15 quid, which is a damn sight cheaper than Manchester United. Absolutely. So I've got one for you. Out of the left field, after your you know little history lesson on Manchester United, how on earth did you end up supporting Colchester United? So I arrived in Colchester. Ooh, it must have been must be now about two about two thousand and three, and I kept hearing um, lay a road in the distance from my garden, and a bloke called Tony Pullen, who's since faded away 
didn't quite make the transition to the Kansas I don't think Stadium. he's left the planet yet, Bryn. <laughs> he's, he's faded away from his Colchester <laughs> United bar side days. But he enticed me. His daughter met my daughter at school and he made me very welcome and invited me along. And off I went to the bar side. And as I walked onto the bar side, I thought, hang on a minute. I recognise this experience. I'm on a terrace again. I'm surrounded by my mates. There's the banter. And it was as close as I'd been for about 10 years. You'd been transported back to that experience on the terraces at Stratford, on the Stratford End that I enjoyed so much. It was the run-up to the promotion season. It was the season of the Chelsea FA Cup match. And I loved it. And it rekindled after a period when I only watched the odd Manchester United fact, match on telly. It rekindled my love of football. And after about a year, I found I wasn't looking for the Manchester United scores anymore. I was a Hughes fan. Well, this is, very, this is brilliant, Bryn. We're going to talk some more about this. But uh, meantime, let's just have a bit of music. Let's hear from Adrian in the Cohen Radio Music Library down there on the third floor. And he's found the track, Bryn, that you used to pogo to on the Stratford End. So, George, can you introduce yourself and your role? My name's George Baker. I was recently elected to the board of FC United, and uh, my responsibilities include communications, membership and season tickets, and the commercial side. I went to see Looking for Eric, the Ken Loach film, and I remember one of the FC United fans said, I didn't leave Manchester United, Manchester United left me. 
What did he mean? Well, it goes back to how Manchester United have really kind of deserted the modern football fan, really, particularly their own supporters, in favour of those who turn up to uh, buy as much as they can in the megastore and buy as many souvenirs as they can. It kind of pushed out the regular matchgoer who goes to support his team, maybe will buy the odd beer and then goes home. You know, they don't want that kind of fan at Manchester United anymore. They want some. They want fans who can maximise revenue. So what was your breaking point? My breaking point, well, for most FC United fans, was the Glazer takeover. I mean, we vowed that if that, if that happened, then we wouldn't go anymore. We wouldn't be part of such an aggressive business plan, which, in order to work, would involve exploiting the fans even more. And we just realised that there was no way back after that you know we at least had a group called Shareholders United who were trying to get a major shareholder footing so that we could try and get control of Manchester United but obviously the the Glazer takeover forcibly bought all those shares so once we realised it was under private ownership that was it we realised that there was no way back for Manchester United in our opinion at that time and uh, so we formed FC. My name is uh, Courtney Senior, um, Colchester United first team, and you're listening to Box 39 on 106.6 FM, Call You Radio. And this is uh, Elskang Exit here on the Call You FM. Thank you, Courtney Senior, for that. And this is uh, our live house band, and they're playing their latest song, which is called Penalty Shootout. You're dead to me. I love that full sound of all 16 of them. It really makes a difference, doesn't it? Now, we're welcoming listeners from around the world, and actually we've got some listeners uh, more locally, and we'd like to welcome one of our favourite listeners, Mango Dread from Shrubend, who says he... uh, he will be listening on the radio to the Cole U Manchester United game with his little seven-year-old grandson. So that's fantastic, Mango. Let's hope your grandson ends with a big smile on his face. But Mango does end, unfortunately. Uh, his grandson is a Liverpool fan. Oh, dear. Anyway, Ian, ah, so you're wearing a new hairpiece here. And, uh, that reminds me of sort of about 1990s, that mullet at the back. What's that one called from your collection? This one. Yeah. It's me Chris Waddle, mate. I've changed out my red, white and blue, Bobby Moore number. I'm wearing me Chris Waddle. It's anyway, nice. enough of my hairpiece. Okay. Should we get back to Bryn? Come on, Bryn. Okay. I mean, we spoke earlier, Bryn, about your childhood and adolescence as a Manchester United supporter, standing and swaying on those terraces. But now you watch football from an uncomfortable plastic seat, because I know, because I sit in one next year on some Saturdays, wedged in the south stand like a cork in a bottle. Tell us... What were those Red Army days like, Bryn? Well, I saw some fantastic matches um, with Manchester United in the days when they were a real team, um, the team that I loved as a football fan. Um, I was at um, an FA Cup final when Pancho, Stuart Pearson and Jimmy Greenoff um, scored to beat um, Paisley's Liverpool. That was in 1977. Um, I had trips to Leeds where it was terrifying. <laughs> it was absolutely terrifying. I was spat out. I was I nearly got bitten by a police dog. The Leeds fans were burning Manchester United scouts. But my most compelling memory was Hillsborough, December 1974. We got there early and we went in the seats because my dad had taken me. There was terracing at either end. There was a virtual riot. There was two pitch invasions. It was three all. 
Jim Holton, six foot two, eyes of blue midfield player, broke his leg, and it was one heck of an afternoon. Blimey, you've got a very good memory there. Ian, you're a Manchester boy, surely you uh, <laughs> you must have visited Old Trafford in its terracing days yeah, as odd, well. The odd thing is, I'm uh, I'm I'm more of a Manchester boy than the gentleman sitting opposite me because he's he's uh, definitely from out of the city. Um, and bizarre, and bizarrely, I have always been a city boy. I I lived equidistant between Old Trafford and Main Road as it was then. Uh, but for whatever reason, I was drawn to the blue side of the city. And did you used to go on the Kipax, the I city was, version of the Stratford? I was a Kipax boy. Uh, in fact, my dad used to accompany me on Saturdays with a couple of my mates from the estate we lived on. What was, great times. Why is it called Kipax? Was it on Kipax Road? No, I have no idea why it was uh, called the Kipax. A bit like lots of other um, football grounds at the time, the original stands as such were, were slag. From mining, mine workings, yeah. and from waste waste ground. Oh, so, but what I'm what I really want to ask Bryn is very quickly, Bryn. How did Manchester United change for you? Oh, goodness me! All seating, change the age demographic. The Glazers bought it, and you had obscene things like Rooney considering going to Manchester City if the salary was right. I just felt. I just thought that by the time I came to Colchester, I, I was already falling out of love with Manchester United. It was not the team I supported. It was not one rooted in the community. It was little more than a corporate brand. So for you, it was the almost that ski slope um, change that, or a ski jump change, really. You know, you, you you come down that flying down that slope, and then you're in the air, not really knowing where you're going to land. Was that what did it for you, or was it this breakdown in? trust and honour that we've seen with the players and just working for the biggest pay packet. Well, I think George from FC United sort of captured it all for me. There was a scene in Ken Loach's film, Looking for Eric, where there's a row between Manchester United fans that have stayed with Manchester United and ones that have moved on to the Phoenix Club, FC United. And the, Manchester, the one that's gone to FC United says, I didn't leave Manchester United. Manchester United left me. And I think that line in that wonderful Ken Loach film sums it all up. Well, brilliant, Bryn. And uh, what we're going to do is, uh, well, shortly we're going to hear from the Colchester United striker, a, a, an exclusive interview with Frank Nublay. But first, we're going to pop down to Adrian, back there on the third floor, and he's going to play the Manchester United Calypso. Now football is a pleasant game, played in the sun, in the rain and the team that gets me excited Manchester United Manchester Manchester United A bunch of bouncing Busby babes They deserve to be knighted If ever they're playing in your town You must get to that football ground Take a lesson, come to see Football taught by Match Busby and Manchester Manchester United, a bunch of bouncing busby babes. They deserve to be knighted. They are the greatest team today. If you don't believe me, go and see them play. A type of football second to none. Now they're at the top of Division One. Ooh, Manchester, Manchester United, a bunch of bouncing busby babes. They deserve to be knighted. If 
town. Get yourself to that football ground. Take a lesson, come to see. Wizardry by Match Busby and, and Manchester. Manchester United, a bunch of bouncing Busby babes. They deserve to be knighted. It's the greatest thrill you've ever seen. They are known as the soccer machine. They are the best, there is no doubt. So raise a chair and give a shout for Manchester. Manchester United. A bunch of bouncing busty beds. They deserve to be knighted. If ever they're playing in your town, get yourself to that football ground. Take a lesson, come to see. Manchester United match coming up in the League Cup. Starting with Chelsea as a trainee, you've been, I think it's with 18 clubs in your career, is that right? Yeah, so, yeah. So I'm imagining so. you might have had a few cup ties in your time? Yeah, I've been very fortunate in the cup actually. Recently we had, had Tottenham when I was at Newport, home and away, because we uh, we drew them at home at Newport. They scored in the last two minutes, so we were obviously agonising away from winning that, that tie. Must have been nice to get Tottenham back at Colchester then. Yeah, personally for me, to then beat them this time was obviously a, a great feat for myself and the club. In general terms, I've had a few cup ties here and there. Some that have gone well, some that have not gone so well. But this is obviously the greatest one for me personally, obviously for the club as well, to get to the quarter-final of, of any cup competition is a great achievement. Uh, did you play against Manchester United when you were with West Ham ever? Yeah, come um, I come on, I think, once. I was, on, I was on the bench against them twice in my time at Islam. I come on once at home. What period was that then? What, what? This was with Zola. Okay. Zola's last year at West Ham. Okay. It was my first year there. And he, he gave quite a lot of the youngsters a chance that year. And I, I come on, I think we were losing 2 0. The second time we beat them. And I think Carlton Cole scored a couple of goals that day. Um, so, yeah. So, we've got a player in the team with the experience of actually beating Manchester United. Yeah, yeah of course, yeah. yeah and we well. use that to our advantage. I've been there a couple of times, but to play this time, this is massive. So, what does it mean for a team like Colchester United to be able to strut your stuff against the biggest team in world football, possibly? Obviously, it's going to be an amazing day. First mm. and foremost, we have to make sure we enjoy ourselves when we're out there, soak it all in. You never know when you get another chance to play at Old Trafford. So whoever plays or whoever's on the bench, we're all going to be together. Yeah. But at the same time, we want to showcase what we can do. I think like we've, we've had a lot of games this year and some have gone great, especially in the big times. So hopefully this one can, can be another one. 
Do you think it's a big opportunity for some of the younger players to put themselves in the shot window? And Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah. I think every game is the opportunity for young players, particularly at this club, where the yeah. chairman obviously is very vocal about wanting to play young players, want them to progress, and he sees value in them. So if you're a young player at this club, you definitely should be encouraged. And you've got an opportunity to be at Old Trafford. There's no greater stage, really, to, to showcase your talents, be it old or young. Does John talk to you about what role he wants you to play as a senior player with the, the academy boys? At the beginning of the season, he told most of us senior players that it's for us to help and nurture them to make sure that they could, they're encouraged, regardless of mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen, whether you're a senior player or a young player. And I feel like we've done that quite well, especially since I've been here. Last two years, last year, we had three or four players who left who were obviously younger players and they had great seasons. And this year as well, we have a couple more have come through out of nowhere. Uh, Kwame Poku's come out of nowhere and he's producing a, a lot of good performances. He's going to have his off days, but that's why we're here for him, to encourage him. Changing the subject completely, I was absolutely fascinated when I found out when you came to the club that you, you'd played in China. What was that like? Yeah, that was an experience in itself. Uh, <laughs> culture shock, definitely a phrase I've used a few times when people have asked me about it. But the, the, the level of football is actually quite good. You get a lot of South American players who play out there. They could easily play in Europe and be big names, but they, they go out there and they get obviously a good paycheck. Yeah. So it keeps them in, in that region. So you never hear about these players, but there's a lot of good players out there. And obviously you're, you're only allowed three foreign players per team playing at a time on the field. So that also helps the Chinese players come through their academies yeah. and stuff like that. So when I went there, I was one of three. And then I had to you know, get used to the Chinese players and how they go about things, which was difficult at first. What was different? Um, they train different times. They train in the afternoon. That was different. It was too hot where I was playing. I was playing in Beijing, so it was too hot to train in the morning. So we trained at three o'clock every afternoon. We were to have a line in the morning. And it just felt like the days were longer. Um, obviously, the language barrier. you got to learn a bit of Chinese. That's, Go that's, on, give us a... No, no, no. <laughs> you can't give us... We're going to beat Manchester United. No, no, Chinese. no. <laughs> it's been two years now. I'm still going down the drain. But um, no, yeah, just, just, different, just different lifestyle with them. But I enjoyed it. Every game I played in, I'll tell you that there was 50,000 at every stadium. 50,000? 50, 50,000, yeah. And what are the fans like? Are they... For them, it's like, it's like an event. They do a lot of things. When the ball goes out, I play, they play a bit of music, like stuff like that. Halftime, there's a show on, stuff okay. like that. So it's quite entertaining, but it's totally different to Europe. Well, thanks, Frank. And I can tell you, it won't be just the Colchester United fans that will be rooting for you when yeah. you go to Old Trafford. <laughs> It'll be the whole of Colchester. No. We're right behind you. No, we're looking forward to it. Thank you very much. What's in the box? What's in the box? You're listening to Ausgang Exit, our resident, loyal and ever-giving house band who are with a specially composed song for tonight and this is called Sweet Left Foot, Sour Right Thigh.
And sometimes uh, it's good to give Simon, Simon there on the, in, on the saxophone, a good old blast. Now, you're listening to Box 39 here on 106.6 FM. Our show is all about Colchester United against Manchester United. And we'd like to welcome listeners around the world, including Pamela, one of our old loyal listeners from Seattle in Washington, the USA, who says, keep it up, boys. Colchester will be brilliant and awesome. So that was Frank Nublay. Hopefully, our man of the match. Well, let's hope Pamela's right. Now then, Bryn, let's get let's get back to uh, a little bit of history from this season. It's been some years since we had a, a good cup run, so let's savour again every single step of our stunning cup run so far. So take us back to August and how it all started. Well, I think most of us, if we were honest, were, were still on the beach or at the caravan. We were on holiday. But 1,595 loyal ewes witnessed as dispatched Swindon 3 0. Well, yeah, okay, so take us to round two. In round two, we discovered that the ewes were the penalty shootout kings. A growing number of ewes fans, 1,193 members of the Blue and White Army, watched us take out our first Premier League scalp in the form of Crystal Palace, 4 5 on penalties after a 0 0 at full time. Well, it was certainly a huge moment for 18-year-old academy boy Noah Chilvers, that's for sure. Fantastic performance. But I think, I think myself that the Hughes fans were getting a taste for the League Cup and, uh, you know, round three, all to play for. Oh, you're not kidding. That, that was back to the community <laughs> stadium, the packed house around about 10,000 present. I will never forget the defensive display from our boys that night. It was just magnificent. By the end of that match, they'd played two whole matches against Premier League competition and not conceded a goal. Spurs had 75% of the possession and 19 shots, and nothing could puncture the magnificent display of Colchester United. And this time, it was the turn of another academy product. Super Tommy Lapsley to score the winning penalty. One of my favourite players. Absolutely glory moment. Loved it. I think one of the problems for dear old Tottenham at that point was that the very out-of-form Deli Alley had far too much of the ball. Anyway, come on, take us on to Crawley Town. Well, Crawley Town, the fans have definitely got a taste for the competition by this point. 1,720, sorry, 1,791 members of the Blue and White Army descended on Crawley. This time, no need for penalties. 3-1. My mate Steve Smith from uni, who is a Crawley Town fan, texted me and said, he wasn't very happy, so I'll try and do his voice. Well done tonight. Only one team in it in the second half. Good luck with the draw. You, ditch, you richly deserve a decent team. Well, Bill, well, Ian. We certainly did get the draw we richly deserved. So quickly, Bryn, because we've only got seconds. Which used players do you want to see shine on the big stage? Well, I'm a Courtney senior fan. He was man of the match against Salford City on Saturday. Every time he gets the ball, you get excited. One of the most creative players in the squads this season. I don't think he's the finished product, but he's the man to watch. Well, we'll be talking to uh, Courtney himself exclusively here on Colm Radio right after we hear once more from Adrian in the Colm Radio Music Library. They said our lives together Sure was gonna be rough They never did like Mama's homemade dress Papa's bank book wasn't big enough 
fact is that Bob Dylan was a huge, albeit rather clandestine, Colchester United fan, and many of his most famous songs were actually about the U's. Visions of Joanna was about someone from whom he bought two teas and a meat pie at a midweek game at Lair Road in the late 1960s. Knocking on Heaven's Door dealt with Colchester United's close brush with promotion to the First Division in the early 70s. The Times They Are A-Changing was a rueful piece responding to United's management selling six players in one go in 1970. Quinn the Eskimo was written after someone on the bar side gave Bob some magic mushrooms during an increasingly astonishing and incomprehensible nil-nil draw against Doncaster. The song Highway 61 Revisited was going to be called the A12 Revisited until Bob's American record company intervened. And of course, Tangled Up in Blue is all about how the failures and fortunes of the mighty U's are interwoven with the everyday lives of Colchester people. An intimate intrication documented so vividly by absolute Colu nutter Robert Zimmerman, also known as Bob Dylan. How are you preparing for the game against Manchester United? Oh, we're all preparing. Uh, we're taking week by week, step by step. But uh, all the boys are preparing well, uh, as we've been doing throughout the season and through the cup. So yeah, the boys are the boys are on it. So it's obviously uh, on your mind. It, it would not be. Would you say it's one of your biggest games of your career? Oh yeah, for for me, I'm quite yeah. quite young myself, and um, to play at, at the Field of Dreams against Man United is a it's a dream come true to be fair. Are any players in particular you're hoping to come up against? Um, to be fair, my boy, uh, Aram Mazaka, uh, he's, he's there at the moment. So I'm looking to play against him. Uh, he's, he's doing very well. So yeah, um, all of them to be fair, they're all, all, all big pros. So just, yeah. So how do you deal with uh, like mentally going out in front of 70,000 people? Do you, know, do you know what, like, what, I haven't played in front of that, uh, that, that bigger crowd before, but when I'm on the pitch, it's kind of like you, you block it out. You maybe hear like, it's like background noise. You don't really hear 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 it too much, but you just got to take it how it comes. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, talk about how how you hear stuff, background stuff. I mean, there's been a lot in the in the news recently about sort of racism from fans and things, and we saw some really positive action from footballers recently. I mean, have you, have you thought about it as a team or as a professional footballer about you know do you come across it and what would you do? Would you call it out as well? Uh, me personally, I've never come across uh, any racial abuse, but I, just, I don't agree. I don't agree with it. I think it's. Think it's not good, like uh, for the for the for the, whoever the club is. Uh, yeah, I just don't agree with it. And and people speaking up is a, is a very good thing, so that we can try 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 get it down. Because there's no I think there's no need for it. I know fans and people like that get get angry, or whatever. But there's no need to for for racism. As a footballer, I mean, the challenges you have coming out in front of Colu, in front of you know, a couple of thousand fans, and then you've got this big game. How do you uh, how do you get ready for it over the next few weeks? What will you be doing? Will you be doing anything special? No, I, I, me personally, I'll stick to what I do. Obviously, eating eating right, going to the gym, stretching, getting massages, training properly. So, me personally, I'll just keep it keep it the same. I don't want to mess up what, what I've been doing. So, me personally, but as a team, I think uh, we'll, we'll keep it the same as well. Maybe prep maybe a week before or two weeks before so that we're actually ready for, uh, against, the, against the big team. But, yeah, me personally, I'll just, I'll just keep how, how I've been doing. Yeah. And uh, which team do you want to get when in for the semi-final then? Who are you hoping for? <laughs> <laughs> Not Oxford United. <laughs> nah, nah, they're, they're doing well at the moment. Uh, hopefully, uh, any, any, or everyone. To be fair, everyone in the last last eight is is a, is a, is a good big team. So hopefully, just, we'll just take a step by step. Hopefully, we can get through it first. It's a great game for you. You're you're on your way up in a, as a professional footballer. You know you would see that the ladder in front of you, and you're climbing up. <laughs> and a game like this is a is a great opportunity. So, what what are your ambitions as a as a professional footballer? Oh yeah, it's a, it's a great ambition as you said. Obviously, playing against big big sides. We've obviously played against um, the Palaces, uh, the Tottenham's, yeah. and and stuff before. So. Great ambition. I obviously want to get myself to the Premier League, as as, as a lot of footballers would, would would want to do. So my ambitions are just to, to make it as, as as far as I can go, which I feel like I, I can do with my attributes and what I've got. It's been a great season for you, hasn't it? It's not not over yet. I think I've no, done. Start to the yeah, season. yeah. Start to the season. It hasn't been too well. Um, too too bad. Sorry. Um, obviously I've started mostly every game. Got three goals, three assists, and uh, the team's doing well. Uh, also in the league and. Obviously, we're doing more in the cup, so it's good, man. It's really good. And you must have felt good, man of the match at the Spurs game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very, I was very happy. I was knackered as well, and, yeah. and we won. But yeah, it was, it was good to get man of the match against a, a top side. Yeah, top Did side. they actually give you an award for that or something? Did they actually give you something for that? No, I just a little little champagne. Is uh, it champagne? Yeah. yeah no, but so. you, your your friends and family must have been really proud. You must have been really proud to get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. My mom, my my dad, my granddad, and my all my friends and cousins are all here. And then we went for something to eat after, and I was just congratulating me, and so yeah, it was nice. Hello, I'm Bill Lawrence, and this is my Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions is on Colm Radio every Sunday from 10pm to midnight, and again on Monday nights from midnight to 2am. The late-night blend of music and words that means so much and yet never really explains anything. Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Late-night dreamscape radio for any time of the day.
My name is Frank Newblay, and you're listening to Box 39 on Cone Radio 106.6 FM. Thanks, Frank. Gang Exit continuing their football themed songs with my one of my real favourites, and this is Blowing My Whistle All Day Long. Actually, I'm just going to interrupt there, Ian, because I see you've got on uh, rather a remarkable uh, your third selection from your hairpieces. What do you call that one? Well, I've moved from the moor to the waddle, and now I'm wearing the bale. It's a, it's a nice little sort of well-fred. It is nice, isn't it? It's um, a got, nice tinge to it in the sunlight. We got a text from Donna and she says, Ian, could you take some photos of those and put them on the Mixcloud website? I'll do that for you, Donna, this evening. Fantastic. Now, our show is a celebration of a historic football match. Yes, historic. And I don't say that lightly. It's historic. And it's on our community. And it's coming up just a few days from the recording of this show. And it's the League Cup quarterfinal clash between the Titans of the Premier League, Manchester United, Mm. and our local heroes, Colchester United, who sit just... They sit just 70 places below them in the professional football league structure. And Manchester United's squad estimated to be worth, give or take a few quid, £645 million. uh, And Colchester United's squad estimated to be worth just under 100000 So I estimate, doing a bit of maths, that you could buy 6,450 Colchester United squads for just the one Manchester United squad. So, Bryn... What do we know about that Manchester United team that the U's will face? Well, I'm, I'm sort of... I, I struggle a bit. It's not my speciality, the, um, the modern Manchester United team. I used to be able to... I, if you talk about the, I don't know, the 70s, I'd just go Bailey, Greenoff, Alberston, McElroy, McQueen, Buchan, Coppel, Greenoff, Richie, Macari, Thomas, Doherty, manager. And can you just point out to the uh, listeners what you've just read that off? <laughs> oh, all right. Um, <laughs> I've, re- I've read it from the Manchester United versus Colchester United programme of the 20th of February 1979. Little did I know when I was a Manchester United fan in those days, when I knew that team so well, that I'd be handling a programme for a match with Colchester United, looking forward to seeing a repeat of the match and hoping that Manchester United get completely, totally hammered. Shall I come back to the Manchester United team of today? Yeah, come on. Go on. Well, what... I don't take much interest in the Premier League. In fact, I don't take any interest in the Premier League, but I do watch England. So I'm going to be sat there in the gods, high up at Old Trafford, and I'm going to be sort of... I might have to spot them on the, on the bench if um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is arresting a few of the players. But I want to see Harry Maguire, I want to see Ashley Young, I want to see Jesse Lingard and Marcus Rashford. I want to see the cream of England on a football pitch playing Colchester United. That would be very nice. Uh, Bryn, how, how important is this cup quarterfinal to a team like Manchester United who are just, you know, chasing Europe, surely? This is just a third-rate cup game for them, isn't it? Um, I think, generally speaking, that's probably how they see it. That They'll want to try and get into at least one of the European competitions. But I do think the Premier League side start to take it a bit more seriously when you get to a quarter-final and a Wembley outing's in sight. Because, you know, that's, that's got prestige, it's got money. 
it sells the shirts abroad oh, a cup you've, final. You've hit the yeah, nail yeah, on the yeah, head yeah, there. Go. What really matters to Manchester United, I think more than anything else, is the money they make from their commercial branch. Now, I understand that the revenues in 2018, 44% of Manchester United's revenue was from commercial and only 18% from the match day. Now, would you imagine that to be the same at Colchester United, those percentages? Well, I don't, how much can you make on a pocket pie? I'm not really sure. <laughs> well, one that's <laughs> been incinerated. Given the vile <laughs> creation that the emerges from their, uh, <laughs> from their cooker, I can't imagine that we're quite hitting those levels of commercial activity. I think the conference business and the, the events business manages pretty well, brings in a bit of money for the club, but I'm not sure the... I'm not sure we've quite cracked the commercial arm to the extent that United have. Now, I understand that's the third arm to the Manchester United revenue. That's broadcasting. 38% of their revenue from broadcasting, $300 million. I don't think we have the same opportunities with broadcasting, do we? Well, I'll tell you what really sickens me is that Sky TV just do not get what the average football fan thinks about. They think some quarter-final between two Premier League teams putting out third-rate sides is what excites the, the viewer. And they seem to have missed that the, the, the whole romance of a cup competition is watching the little, the little guys taking on Goliath. And that's what Manchester United against Colchester should be. And it's an absolute disgrace that Rupert Murdoch Sky TV is not showing Colchester that match. We've got us, we, we've got us a convoy of about... How many coaches? 20. 20, 20. coaches, 6,000 fans going. But it's a midweek match. Kids yeah. should be able to see this match. And I know lots of people who just say, we can't go, can't get a night off, can't get a day off work, so, can't watch it on the telly, can't watch them. it on the computer. Yeah, I would, I would have loved to have gone, but bus is leaving at 11 o'clock in the morning. So what do we say to Sky TV? Sure. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. We'll, with that, let's uh, listen to our old friend Stato, the official Chief Statistics Officer here at Colm Radio. I am Stato, and you've heard it here first. Stato wants to start with my startling Stato stat of the week. There are 24 clubs in League Two. Each club plays each of the other clubs twice, once at home, once away, and is awarded three points for a win, one point for a draw, and no points for a loss. From these points, a league table is constructed. This is the situation in the League Two league table as Stato speaks now. If you subtract goals conceded from goals scored for each League 2 club, you get what is called their goal difference. Stato can reveal exclusively to Cone Radio that as of the 19th of December 2019, 50% of the clubs have a negative goal difference stat, while 50% of the goals have a positive one, with not a single club on zero. Having said that, and this is why Stato earns the big and undisclosed quantities of pounds sterling and stock options in Cone Radio, as of the 19th of December 2019, if you add up all the goal difference stats in League 2, both positive and negative, it adds up to exactly zero. 
remarkable, especially when one bears in mind that no less than 556 goals have been scored, exactly zero, a perfect balance of digits, like matter and antimatter, but numerical. Although this bizarre statistical equilibrium may have happened on more than one occasion, a facet of this exposition that Stato will neither confirm or deny at this particular time, which I shall call the Stato Zero-ness Vortex, happened in 2006 and on that occasion the club finished second in League One, resulting in promotion to the Championship, the second tier of English football. So the omen is not only good, but also statistically and methodologically sound. The following season, Colchester achieved a 10th place finish in the Championship, average attendance 5,466, the league's lowest, but Colchester's record highest finish. So hooray for the Stato Zero-ness Vortex, and hooray for me for spotting it and naming it after myself. This is our Skang Exit with one I know is Henry's favourite, and this is called It's a Game of Two Halves, Brian, Orchestral Suite Number Three. Feel those vibrations. This is wonderful. You're listening to Box 39. Our show is our party to celebrate the upcoming Football Cup tie between the minnows of Colchester United and the big blue whales of Manchester United. And we're also joined by listeners who've texted into this match, including uh, Ron and Reg from Brightlingsea, who say, we will not say anything about us. We are just Ron and Reg, your loyal fans. Don't pretend you know who we are, because you don't. Well, that's quite a cutting comment from Ron and Reg, but we, we don't know who you're, Ron and Reg, but we're delighted. Delighted that you've joined us here today. So let's just have a little plug. Ian, what do you want to plug? Well, you've heard of the Spanish El Clasico between Real Madrid and Barcelona. Well, on the 15th of February, the U's are away at Port Vale. Do the Colchester, Lexton, Ultras get upset? No, because we're off to the El Essex go. What is that? I hear you all cry. What is that? Yeah, come on, again, please. <laughs> what on. is that? What is that? Thank you, fellas. Well... It's the non-league clash between our local Cone Radio team, the Dragons of Wivenhoe Town, and their local rivals, the Shrimpers of Harwich. So, if you're going to tune in to Box 39 in early spring 2020, just to find out how they've got on. Wonderful. Uh, we've got about three or three and a half minutes left of, of uh, chat here with uh, our well, very special guest, the, the eyes, the ears and the shins of Cone Radio football, Bryn Griffiths. So, Bryn, who's been the player of the season so far for you at Colu? For me, it's why I chose to interview him, actually. It's Big Frank. When he gets that ball, it's all, he's, a, he's a big lad, and there's all those legs and arms flying around, and he plows through the, the, the defences with sort of people bouncing off him. You think, how did he keep that ball? How does he manage to surge through there? It's, it, it's magnificent to watch. It's not exactly pretty, but somehow it works, and I love it. Ian, who would you nominate as player of the season so far, 2019-2020, at Colchester United? Courtney Senior gets oh, the ball, yeah. and it sticks to his foot. He's, a, he's got good movement, fast movement. Um, is yeah, control, speed. Wonderful. So I would just like to add my player of the season. And actually, gentlemen, I'm going to spread the love. I'm not going for Frank Nuble, who has had a great season. I'm not going for Courtney Senior, who I think has had a remarkable season. I'm going for old favourite Dino Gherkin. Dino. The goalkeeper, for those of you who are not aware. 
Dino's got one of the best records of clean sheets in the whole of football. Oh, his laundry he, is magnificent. He's, he's had more clean sheets than Manchester City, I'll tell you, Mr. Talentine. Well, Manchester City are lacking in their defensive department this season, Mr. Griffiths. You heard it on Colne Radio. <laughs> Dino's got a small, solid defence in front of him than Manchester City. He probably has this season, I would agree. So, uh, well, there's a, little, a few broader issues in football, Bryn, because it's always good to have you on here. Women's football, uh, England women's football's not doing too well at the moment. What's gone wrong? Well, I think when we're between competitions, a manager of any sense starts to play the squad. They want to look at the different formations, look at some of the squad players. I think that's what's happening. We're in a period where the matches don't match so much. I think England are going to be up there contending for winning competitions in the future. I've got complete confidence in the Lionesses. Don't worry, Bill. It'll all come good. Terrific. I love your optimism. Um, I actually uh, think the men's game with England is getting quite interesting. There's a big tournament coming up next summer, isn't there, which no doubt we'll have a football special about. And England seem to have got all their games in London, which I don't really understand because the tournament's not being held in England. But someone tried to explain to me the tournament's being held all over Europe. Yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? England playing at home, those games, and also hosting the semi-finals and the final. Well, all we can say, folks, is let's hope it doesn't all end in tears. Super duper Colu fan Tim Aston and his long-standing girlfriend and fellow Colu superfan Tatiana Kalashnik had extraordinary plans for the 19th of December 2019, the day their beloved Colchester United faced the mighty Manchester United at Old Trafford. They booked a 4.30pm slot at the nearest church to the ground, the Catholic St Alfonso's, and vowed to mark the special day by getting married at long last after a 15-year wait. But there was a twist. Yes, to add excitement to the day, having failed to lay hands on tickets to watch the game from inside the ground, they set up a widescreen TV in the church with permission from the Catholic authorities in order to watch the game live. Both Tim and Tatiana had to convert to Catholicism, though Tim had been a lifelong Methodist and Tatiana a Russian Orthodox. The twist was, if Colchester United beat Man United, the marriage would go ahead. But if Col U lost, then they would delay tying the knot till the next time the two sides faced off at Old Trafford. This item was produced before the match took place, so I do not know how it worked out for Tim and Tatiana. Let's hope congratulations are in order and that Tatiana did not return home to Russia. 
so you have been listening to Box 39 here on Colm Radio, and we will let you know how Tim and Tatiana got on. Thanks, Bryn. Thanks ever so much for coming in, Bryn. It's great to be here. Come on, the easy can do yes. this. Good luck to Colchester United. So, Ian. Well, from up here in Studio One, on the fourth floor of Cone Radio Towers, high above the full and fertile landscape of northeast Essex, it's time to say goodbye once more. Good night. Be seeing you. Be seeing you. Box 39 has been a guppy production for Cone Radio.